This episode of POMCAST is made possible thanks to our wonderful sponsor, KPC. KPC is part of a family-owned company that has been supplying premium-grade merino, cotton and cashmere to luxury garment manufacturers all over the world for over 70 years. KPC was launched in 2014 in order to offer hand-knit yarns of the same fantastic quality to crafters everywhere. To find out more, head to www.kpcyarn.com. Christmas. <laughs> it's the Christmas edition of the Pomcast. Yep, this is episode 20 of Pomcast. Hey, I'm 20. 20. Hey, guys. Happy 20th birthday. Big 2-0. <laughs> um, I'm Lydia Gluck, and I'm here on this holiday edition of the Pomcast with Sophie Scott. Hi, Hi. Sophie. Hi, how are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm excited about Christmas. Me too. <laughs> and the new year oh such possibilities we'll see you there but in the meantime let's stick with this podcast um so we start with tell and tell what are we can start with well um we can start with little tell and tell i reckon yeah we have planned this guys it's highly scripted as always <laughs> so what have you been knitting well i finished knitting my abrams bridge cardigan oh gorgeous which is from the uh autumn edition of pom-pom like this year's autumn edition so autumn 2015 mm-hmm. and i made it in midwinter yarns uh sort of dk weight is it only me who wants to say like it was only midwinter's yarn <laughs> in the bleak midwinter yes. oh look at that little christmas tune just came out there <laughs> so appropriate uh anyway i finished that cardigan and i've worn it i'd say 90 percent of the time that's a high percentage it's gorgeous it's nice red as well so um... yeah it is a lovely red i'm very pleased with it and that's good and then i've also been knitting a few things from fiona's book take heart which we recently published yeah we can come back to that come back come on what have you been making uh, a couple of things. I started a Christmas decoration, which I found on Ravelry last year, but it was kind of too late to start it. And I was mm. like, oh, I'm going to save this until next year when I can dedicate proper time to knitting it and invest it as a Christmas decoration project. And, you know, I've been patient. I've waited that year. I was like, November, sort of like mid-November, bought myself the yarn. Mm-hmm. And it is a miniature... Uh, Father Christmas laundry line so it's like you make like tiny little versions of his long johns and tiny little mini versions of his mittens and his jacket and his hat and then you can hang them all up with tiny mini pegs <laughs> it's it's insane how excited I've been like of the delayed gratification of waiting and waiting a year to make this and it, I quite like it because it's kind of kitsch but it's not tacky and it's a fine line between making kind of winky things in knitting you know you kind of you don't always have to make the things just because you can don't you uh okay well, that's another <laughs> subject for another time but i think this is pretty cute it um, sounds awesome yeah. my granny has now made several knitted nativity sets which i like to call nativities hey. Hey. um so several sort of factions of my family own nativities we now own a nativity my mom sent me a picture of it the other day you must be honored I am honoured. Very proud, indeed. Um, is it one of the Jean Greenhow patterns? I feel that's a classic. Oh, I don't know. Do you know, oh, do you know her stuff? She's like classic, like, 80s, 90s toy Probably designer. Then. That's how I learned to knit, following her patterns. Really? Yeah. yeah. I'll ask my granny when I'm home. There you go. Find out. Um, but I, as we all know, am very grinchy about Christmas knitting. I don't make Christmas decorations. I don't make Christmas presents. And yet, I love Christmas. My ne- her needles were two th- three sizes too small. <laughs> 
What's the thing with his heart? <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Yes. The Grinch. Loose Grif- Grinch reference. Yeah. <laughs> Segwayed If into... you know about Grinch, guys, that will have made lots Just of sense. Just shoehorn the knitting <laughs> reference into a... <laughs> um, um, yes, but I've also been making uh, the Caswell Bay fingerless gloves from Fiona's slash our book, mm-hmm. uh, the first book published by Pom Pom Press. Woo-hoo. And they are making them in Elizabeth... Uh, Elizabeth. Got a bit London then. Been spending a lot of time on London buses today. So <laughs> what happens? Well, you should be careful next time. I go on. <laughs> Get a cool accent. No, don't be careful. Embrace it. Oh, okay. Elizabeth Beverly. Yeah. Um, so her <laughs> double knit cashmere in an amazing mustardy yellow colour. Unsurprisingly, I say it's quite acidy. The colour that you've been using. That's not mustardy. Interesting. I acid, thought it was mustard. mustardy. Um, but I can't remember what plant was used to dye that colour, unfortunately. I'll post it on the... It's, not, uh, it's too obvious to say mustard. It was not mustard. All right. It was not mustard. Mustard. And mustard seed. I've also been making the cabled headband from same book. I kind of want to make that as well. Not even kind of, I really do. Yeah. Because I was walking here and suddenly, like, it became winter and it was rain and wind mm-hmm. and the satellite dishes that my ears are were currently... Were actually... Bit pained. Bit chilly. Bit bit chilly. I thought I need a cable headband. Fiona's, Fiona's on it. Yeah. Anyway, it. Uh, another thing I've been knitting. You're talking about Christmas knits. Very quick pattern uh, I did was uh, an Olga Jazzy hat called uh, Roku, mm-hmm. uh, which is simple, plain beanie, black. Done it for my boyfriend. Boom. Done in like five days. When? So because he was in a we were in a uh, clothing shop. Uh, other one of Uniqlo. Other mm-hmm. ones are available, I suppose. <laughs> and he picked up a plain black knit beanie, which was acrylic. And I was like, oh, you don't want that. You don't want that. <laughs> just leave it. Just leave it be. Don't even insult me. And he was like, oh, right. Well, it would be nice to have a plain black beanie. And then I was like, ho, ho, ho. I can do this behind the scenes. Speed knitting. When? Well done. So I'm pleased with that. It's gone down uh, nicely. Well, with you. You tried it on. You look great in it. I did. I enjoyed it very much. So, uh... Hopefully that will go well for Christmas for him. Well, we'll find out in the next podcast, I guess. That'll be very exciting. Uh, And speaking of Olga Jazzy, she is in fact our interviewee for this podcast. She certainly is. Which is partly why I found this hat pattern. Doing a bit of research, I was like, that's a nice hat pattern. It all ties in together very nicely. It certainly does, especially because our review is also Olga related. But let's not go there yet. Okay, where are we going? News! News! Hey! Hey. You might have joined in with us at the Pom Pom Party. It was super fun. Thank you everyone who came down. Um, and thank you to all the stands, of course. I'm just going to do a little, little roll call. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah, Thanks yeah. to our sponsors, the Fibre Company and a Yarn Story. Um, and we had a blast. It was the pom pom party is the best, guys. It so. was fun, and it was at Foils this year, which was cool because there were books nearby. I mean, who doesn't want to be surrounded by books? Yeah, I, well, I do. Exactly. Well, I do. do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we had some lovely live music from Theo Bard. Her third year running with Theo. So that was lots of fun. And yeah, thanks to everyone who came along and who did knitting and who talked to us and said hi. And thanks again to all the vendors, of course, who sold beautiful things to beautiful people. And it was a... It was a it was a beautiful night. It was, indeed. Don't be sad if you missed out this year because plans are already in action for mm-hmm. bigger and better next year. So... Yeah, you heard it here first, yeah, guys. you heard it here There's going to be Christmas again. Yeah. <laughs> And the fairy lights were really good. We were both really pleased with those and spent a long time hanging them. So. <laughs> I know, it was such a... Well like... done, Pierce, here for the fairy lights. <laughs> Woo-hoo, fairies. Anyway, um, and of course, the other news, which you, we already kind of, uh, well, we talked about a lot. In we talked about a lot, yeah. yeah. 
Please interview the, um, the author. Is, of course, the first book that we've published um, as Pom Pom Press, which is Take Heart by Fiona Alice, who was our interviewee, as have you mm-hmm. said. Um, and she signed a whole bunch of those for us. So if you've ordered one, you may have got a cool signed copy. Uh, I know I did. <laughs> I haven't. What? No, so right. she said she didn't want you to have a signed copy. <laughs> <laughs> word with Fiona. <laughs> <laughs> And in other news, soon it's going to be 2016. Don't know if you guys have heard yet, but uh, the year's going to change soon. (laughs) (laughs) I'll make sure it's in my diary. (laughs) I actually do need to buy a new diary. Me too. I've run out of pages. That's a fun conversation topic. (laughs) Put that in the news section. (laughs) Okay, well, I feel like that probably covers it for news. Yep. Yeah. What, the, the new year's coming? I mean, that is the main thing in my mind right now, apart right. from Christmas dinner coming up. Woohoo. It's Friday. I don't know how you feel about Christmas being on a Friday, by the way. I, don't, I can't believe it's Christmas, like, happening anyway. I no, think. I know, but it's on a Friday. <laughs> Sophie doesn't care. <laughs> I just was kind of, like, frowning at Lydia, like, with her mouth open as if I wanted to say something, like... Um... <laughs> Okay, everyone I've said this to has been like, stop talking, that's stupid. (laughs) But in my mind, I think it's because the first year that I remember the day of the week that Christmas fell on. Do you know what what I mean? I don't have that memory. Okay, so I do. I'm often like Rain Man with remembering things, but not not that. (laughs) I have a memory of a Christmas, I guess, yeah, being on a Wednesday. So the first time that I knew what day of the week Christmas was on, it was Wednesday. And I thought, okay, that's a good day of the week for Christmas. And every time it's not on a Wednesday, it just feels wrong. Oh, well. Especially when it's on weekends. I have a problem with Thursdays. I really just... Thursdays are always bad. Really? I don't like Tuesdays. Thursdays are great. What the hell? Why don't you like Tuesdays, man? It's a long long story. Let's start... Okay. Let's not get into that. That's going to be another top three, like, days I do not like in the week. So (laughs) let's move on to our news bedfellow, which is reviews. And for this review, we are reviewing Capsule by Brooklyn Tweed. Lydia's looking around for the copy of the book we had. Yes, this room, this room can't be this big, and we've lost it. it. Sophie, oh, I put it here. Oh, Oh, what a funny joke! (laughs) It was next to me. (laughs) So yes, Olga. um, I'm going to leave you to pronounce her surname. I'm going to go with Olga Baraya Kafilian. Wonderful. So uh, if you haven't come across Capsule yet, this is the first uh, sort of printed publication. Although they have printed pu- patterns, this is like mm. uh, well, a capsule collection. Yes. Uh, working with the one designer, uh, there's going to be like a first in a series from Brooklyn Tweed, mm-hmm. where they're sort of exploring uh, the the styles and the creative process and all the patterns that are going to come with that by collaborating with uh, esteemed designers. Yes, using their beautiful yarn, of course, uh, the Brooklyn Tweed Shelter and Loft. Yes. Yes. For a moment there, I almost forgot. Oh, How could you? What does it do? What does Jared flood? No, what does Jared do when he when it floods? He shouts in a loft. Whee! That was from the vintage podcast. We had that number one. Yeah. Just recycling the jokes now. We've run out. Podcast twenty. We've run out of all the yeah, originals. If this is the first one you're listening to, just don't go back to the beginning because <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna shoot yourself in the foot. Anyway. Anyway. Ho, ho. <laughs> so tell me which are your favourite patterns from this book? Well, I am quite intrigued by pteropods. Which isn't, <laughs> isn't some sort of interesting animal that lives in a desert. I was going to some... say, or it sounds like a sort of sci-fi thing. Or a Star Wars uh, transporter. Mm. Mm. Current. He's renting Star Wars. Um, yeah, it's a stole. And it has uh, sort of repeating, tessellating motifs. It's like a Y mm-hmm. shape, but sort of uh, 3D 
kind of wide. Like when you're looking at a cube from the side. Yeah, that's a good way of explaining mm. it. So it's although it's lacy, you get sort of a lot of the, the light and air that is uh, characteristic, characteristic of lace. Uh, it's got a nice, uh, very angular feel to it. Mm. I think that's one of the key things with these patterns. There's lots of angles and lines, yeah. but they're still very soft. You know, there's nothing too, uh, too harsh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Mm. What yes. else? What else? Um, I like tatarara. That's a fun word to say. Tatara? Tatara, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, because the schematic is really funny. <laughs> they're like uh, ruched... So when you wear them, they're like ruched uh, hand warmers because mm-hmm. they've got incre- no decreases on one side, so you get like a uh, asymmetric kind of look, and then when mm-hmm. you put them on, because uh, it's uh, slanty, they ruch nicely. But the schematic's kind of drawn them like a little periscope uh, cosy, so they're kind of like... Hmm. Uh, if you just look at this book for that alone, it's worthwhile. <laughs> Uh, and I also like, uh, well, I think you like this one as well. Do you like the cow with the crosses? I do very much. Do you want to talk about that? Why not? Yes. I'm so generous. Yeah, just pass it on to me. Yes, so the cow that we refer to is called uh, Jujika. And it's got, yeah, kind of tessellating, again with the tessellate. Tessellating mm. is a fun word. Oh. I feel like I don't use it enough. Uh, tessellating kind of cross. Mosaic. Mosaic pattern. And in pretty colours, it's got a kind of grello thing going on. Oh, yeah. Which is pretty much Hayloft and something else. Faded quilt, maybe? Snowbank. Really, really strong uh, colour work. It's nice. Yeah, it's gorgeous. And it's um, a kind of uh, double-sided, as in the cowl itself is like a, a tube, a tubey thing. Although it looks like it's knitted widthwise rather mm. than lengthwise. Uh, with provisional cast on there. Seamless. It's good to know. Mm-hmm. Like and this then, podcast. <laughs> I'm just going to do a little flicking here for everyone to hear. The other thing I like is cusp, which is a top, uh, which is has um, a kind of typical Olga-style unusual construction, which yeah. is really cool, where the front and back pieces are knit from the centre outwards in the round, mm. and then you join it and add your little sleeves afterwards. And so I'm looking now at a picture of it laid flat, and it looks weird. Kind of looks like a like a sea urchin, but you know, like yes. a, all the sea, you know, where they've got the little oh, yeah. the details. What do I? It's like a Half a sphere yeah. when it's dried out. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, and it's because it's got the kind of cable pattern um, running kind of from the middle outwards mm. in a sort of six-pointed star. So it's almost quite snowflake-esque, would you it say? It is. Would you say it was quite Christmassy yes. in that way? Maybe. Maybe. But um, it's really cool because the way she's designed it, although, I mean, there are lots of, I guess, clothes that look weird when you just lie them on the floor because they're not designed to just lie on the floor. They're designed to be on people. Very true. Um, but it looks really lovely on. Um, and it's actually the cover star. It's actually the yeah. cover star. It is. So I just went for the kind of obvious. <laughs> you went for the, the real uh, star of the show. I did. A star with a star on it. So, uh, well, there are just lots of lovely things in this book. So we... Highly recommend you look at it. Are you going to recommend people look at it? I recommend, partly because it's just... I think it's going to be an essential part of the knitting book canon, you know? Yeah. Just like a... Something to keep up to date with, you know? If you like Brooklyn Tweed, you will certainly like this. And if you like Olga Jazzy, keep listening, because she's our interviewee. She is. Yes, not only did she design a lovely hat for our um, winter issue which was called Suffragette, and I'm still planning to make, by the way. I don't know if I've mentioned that. Good, well, I don't doubt it. (laughs) Definitely planning on making that one. Um, Yes, we, or I... You talked to her. I was there in spirit. Yes. As always. As always, yes. So, yeah, um, I spoke to Olga, I'm going to say her surname again, Boraya Kafelian. She's well known for her innovative and very structural designs, um, 
Olga is from Belarus and but she lives in America nowadays and she designs for her brand Olga Jazzy which is a cool name cool name super cool name um, as well as working on lots of collaborations such as um, Brooklyn Tweed such as Brooklyn Tweed and suff- such as uh, Suffragette the hat she uh, designed for us and I think Olga has a real knack for combining sort of traditional knitting techniques mm-hmm. with unusual and uh, origami-like stitch patterns. She likes orig- She even has a book, I think, called Origami Knits. Oh, yeah, she does. With, like, mm. lots of habu stuff. Yeah, yeah that's really interesting. Sort of from a while ago now, but mm. really unusual uh, pieces there. Okay, well. That's enough from Lydia. Now we need to hear from Lydia and Olga. Here we go. Okay, so um, the first question that we ask pretty much everyone is when and how did you learn to knit? Uh, when? It was probably 1985 when I was about four years old. I have been taught by my mom pretty much basically to keep me off her work table. My mom is a professional seamstress and has been so for about 37 years and as a kid I think as a toddler I was just getting too interested in in it and was getting too involved and she taught me how to knit and I distinctly remember the bright orange not bright orange more like a rusted orange color wool yarn and needles and she taught me how to knit a garter swatch and I remember it's been going just practicing and practicing and that was pretty much when I was taught how to knit. It didn't stick for a while. I think I switched to crochet as I was a teenager, but all of this took place back in um, my home country where I was born and grew up, Belarus. And uh, I'm very thankful that at that time, though, it was uh, waves of survival, more of our making our own clothing. But um, it started and sparked that creativity for me, especially in knitwear. Awesome. And so I guess the fact that your um, mum is a is a seamstress must have made you extra interested in clothes. Did you learn to sew as well? I think I learned by proxy and more watching her. And because she was so interested in clothing, um, you know, you take interest as well, being a girl. And I think her trying to dress me up and putting me in a clothing that not what everybody else was wearing, simply because of the limited resources and limited accessibility to fashion or even clothing at that time is what drew my um, attention to it. And as I was becoming more of a teenager, she needed help. So I learned more about not really fashion, but more about pattern making and actual pieces, how the clothing is constructed by tracing the patterns for her. So those templates, you know, that they'll be available out there for pants or jackets or suits and coats. Um, By looking at the pieces that uh, the items were constructed from, I learned and understood the crucial pieces that needed you know, to be assembled to, to to create clothing. So that came rather organically, I'd say, and not just from my natural interest in fashion. That probably came later 
when um, at the university you try to dress up, you know, to stand out and fashion sense um, in Eastern Europe is a little bit more eccentric than I would say in Europe in general or in United States especially. So it was very um, interesting later on to um, define and understand what my taste level was like and what things I preferred to wear. Mm. Oh, awesome. So did you, you stayed in Belarus to, to study? Yes, I stayed. Uh, I attended Minsk State Linguistic University, the capital, for a couple of years before I left for the United States. And uh, did you study English at university yes, then or, or I linguistics? Stu- I yeah. studied linguistics uh, and English. I was actually learning English since I was around 10 years old. And at that point, when I was attending university, I was actually tutoring young children and young adults uh, because it was so much in demand. And Linguistic University was one of the high standard um, educational systems in the country that allowed for more uh, interpreters and teachers of English to disseminate and, you know, breed <laughs> to <laughs> um, put them in schools and colleges around the country. But also um, they have various programs that opened up a dialogue with the West and Europe. So you actually have a lot of visitors speaking English, English speakers to who you can practice the language with, besides the, you know, drive theory or the classroom atmosphere type. Um, This is a good time, I guess, for me to ask you um, about how you started designing hand knits in the first place. Um, because growing up in the Eastern Europe, we didn't have much access to knitted patterns. We, I do remember, and I still have those two books that were created in the Soviet times. They were a bit, uh, similar to home economic books. So there's a little bit of crochet and knitting and just general, um, information about construction and items and I remember as a teen, I was posing through them, but they were not making much sense to me. And mm-hmm. we did not have many magazines at all available for knitted patterns. I was trying to uh, one time sit down with my mom and recollect if she remembers any of the you know, fashion, ladies' fashion magazines. And sometimes she said that we should see a a single pattern in one of those women magazines and it would be very random and it's not always necessarily be a good one or will be uh, graded correctly because so from the very beginning uh, from the home egg book on knitting and crochet and all other kinds of middle craft she taught me how to calculate or what were the specifics, crucial specifics to make and design your own. We were not considering them as a, you know, published or professionally designed pattern. It was more of just, you know, doing the math, figure out your gauge and tension, the dimensions that you took from yourself. So it was more custom to yourself. Mm. But the basics of that knowledge came from back then. I remember there was in public library for our town was sometimes they would get a German uh, magazine, which was translated and published in, in Russian. 
language and the waiting list for that magazine, the knitting magazine, was, which was called Verena, the uh, imprint of uh, Border Moden House in Germany. And I think they've been back and forth on the market. I'm not quite sure. But the waiting line, the waiting list for that issue would be so long if you sign up in summer. Maybe you'll see it by the end of the winter um, because everybody was trying to check that magazine out and try to see if they could knit from it. Wow, that's so interesting. It was in demand because the weather is quite cold probably around Canada border, like Toronto. Um, very cold winters. So um, knitwear was a crucial part of our wardrobe and survival. <laughs> very thick and insulated (laughs) so it was kind of a a necessity combined with um just being quite practical i guess exactly but as for designing and publishing as a continuation of what i do right now it started around 2005 when a friend uh i started being interested in knitwear and knitting in particular when my spouse was deployed in the middle, um, middle East, but we were stationed in Italy and I was sort of stuck. I could not mm-hmm. work. I, there was not much for me to do. And I found a tiny yarn shop, um, or they call the Merceria, which is uh, a combination of needlework, embroidery thread, a little bit of everything. And I started going there day after day because I grew up without knowing that there are different yarn kinds or different brands. We only had three, which was mm-hmm. in a department store, and it would be um, just your basic wool, uh, then yarn for babies, which would be about acrylic combination of something, and the crochet type cotton. And I think that discovered an entirely new world for me um, then with the influx of ins- establishment of online shopping i started looking there and trying out new yarns and uh i remember my first nora korean yarn (laughs) that i bought (laughs) and it was summertime and it was 102 degrees fahrenheit outside and i was on the beach knitting with 100 percent wool and it was in the craziest oranges and yellows and pinks And I remember being the happiest because I could not believe that the yarn could do this. (laughs) Um, And all these explorations made me um, realize that I would like to talk about it, that I had some skills to share and I would like to learn more. And it was the era of the knitting blogs. And I started my own knitting blog at that time. And uh, Yahaira, who was introduced to me by one of another fellow knitting blogs, Kate of Knitlet, um, Yahaira was working on a book, and she asked me to contribute to design something for it. And I remember this being such a huge honor and also a biggest challenge. But um, I designed two pieces for that book and one of the sweaters actually landed the cover and I remember this day it was around 2005 2006 when it finally came out I couldn't believe it that this was actually happening and um that from there on it slowly took off 
um, when Amy Singer from Nitty.com asked me to design a piece, and this was my first free pattern, Zinzin Top, back in 2006, I would say. I don't remember the days, the years. It's been now 10, 9 years since it all began. And there were so many designs under my belt after some time to become a blur. Uh, because currently what I'm working on, you know, I'm trying to see. I mean, in your head, you are knitting for a deadline and something, but you're still thinking what is going to be next. What will you be working on next? So, yes, this is <laughs> where it all true. started. <laughs> and um, just I'm, I'm pretty sure that most of the people listening to this will, will know who you are. But... Um, Either way, if you could just kind of describe your design style or aesthetic. I mean, I know that it's probably sort of changed and evolved over the years, but if you had a way of summarizing it at all. I think uh, as every designer, you know, you, you grow exponentially mm-hmm. with your creativity and your skill set as you, you know, explore more things that you like. And then the things that you publish are not often, you know, represents the the sole things that you like only. So there are different ways of exploring the aesthetic or technique. Uh, for my own brand um, with the namesake Olga Jazzy, I choose and I love publishing things that I know are quite, can be quite eccentric uh, with their shaping, with their unusual um, surface design, so to speak. Uh, the Four years that I've spent in Japan have definitely contributed more to the unusual uh, uh, shapes and patternings that are so integral to the everyday life there, as design seems to be everywhere in every corner. Architectural or the um, innovative and I would say thoughtful. Um, with the transform, I think after a couple of years in Japan, I have uh, really I have admired a lot of those up and coming transformable designs, which I call transforms. And I have started to think of my own. And because with knit fabric, you create fabric as is you work in it and you work the shape in it right away, it made it much more possible uh, for the transformed designs to emerge because I feel there's more thought that can be put into it, you know, besides the shaping and the surface design and the texture that you pick. Um, those are one of those that I really admire and proud of um, as we are all becoming so much more concerned about our consumerism these days, finding a design or a pattern that you can net. And if out of 10 possibilities, you can find three, four ways to wear it, I think would be also a way to convince people and knitters uh, to minimize their wardrobe and have more functional pieces, versatile pieces that yet uh, look great and complement their figure. So there are various parts of the design that I like to explore. There's no like definitive description, linear, geometric. Um, I love, love origami pieces. And very often they don't work in knitwear because it's just too soft. So this is where the my process of knitwear comes from. Um, I started thinking backwards and then 
the ideas that I have, I would um, design a stitch pattern first, if I can, or customize one. And then depending on that, I will choose the yarn to make sure that particular stitch will stand out and become the utmost, um, you know, to make to make the stitch pattern shine and will be at its best. And only then I will choose what it would become, an accessory or a sweater or detail on, an, on, a, on a pullover or a cardigan. So it's all interconnected, but it's more still about geometry for me. I think this is what makes me most excited. And um, you, I know that you do a lot of collaboration. You, of course, have you know your Olga Jazzy um, brand, but you also do a lot of collaborations as part of your work um, you know, with lots of yarn companies. And, of course, we were lucky enough to have you do a design for us. Um, and I was wondering what it is that you like about working alongside other um, other people in the knitting industry? Well, first of all, I've been very lucky to be in my first UK-based magazine, which is you. So thank that. <laughs> Yay. Um, collaborations, I think because my career as a knitwear designer started with the collaborations, um, they uh, helped me achieve this um, unusual feeling sometimes when I when I find a design or an idea that I feel I, I have an urge and a need to make and put it out there in the world, but often it doesn't suit. I don't find it suiting for my personal brand because, as you say, there are several things in there that um, help to define my work. And uh, with this one, I um, very much uh, like to explore and challenge myself. So, as any designer, I need to grow or feel the need to grow and find different aspects. Uh, I find different aspects of collaboration help me stretch my uh, time management and my um, skill set as well as just reaching out for various uh, crowds of knitters that might not necessarily uh, notice my brand before or even haven't seen my any of my work. And with collaborations like this, I feel that I can show my range more, that I can actually design some things that are more appealing to various other groups of knitters. And of course, building friendships and establishing uh, establishing different relationships and also exploring uh, various yarns that I can be working with and being published somewhere else that I've never thought of before. Because I still strongly believe in print and I think magazines these days still represent so much um, of the uh, tangible inspiration to me, like page and, you know, the paper, the tactile feel of it, um, the smell of the ink and that's why I like doing them. I mean, besides putting the other ideas to use, it, it's just pushing yourself every time because the moment a knitwear designer becomes too relaxed, at, at least I can say by myself, it's it needs to have an influx of something new to me, at least, because I want to know more. I want to learn more, even at this stage. But I always am curious, oh, what if this particular yarn will do with this particular stitch pattern? And it's sometimes producing results that, as I mentioned, some not always work for my own brand. So that's why I, 
um, like to offer them through other um, knitwear outlets. So let's see, I was going to ask you, um, what would be your top knitting tip for our listeners if you could give them just one little piece of advice? It's not really a knitting tip, but I would say <laughs> it's more about attitude about your knitting. Uh, I would always say don't be afraid to rip out your work and redo it again. No matter what kind of emotions and feelings it might stir. I think you as, as knitters were spending already a significant amount of time and resources and, and money to purchase all this um, yarn and notions and needles and patterns and magazines and books. I feel if you're making something for yourself or for somebody that in, if you strive to get better at it every time, uh, if you make a mistake, don't be afraid to rip out your work. It's not about me being so prone to perfectionism. I think it it sort of helps you to teach yourself the discipline of um, making things better. And I think if there's something that you can live with, I mean, it's totally fine. But it's one of the things that don't do not get attached too much if you have to rip out your work. I think I've seen many tears sometimes of people <laughs> asking not to not be people not being able to deal it do it themselves and asking somebody else to do it for them. Yeah, yeah. Me and Sophie were um talking about this on, on the previous podcast actually about to frog or not to frog and our conclusion was if you're thinking about it then you probably do want to and you should probably just kind of do it as quickly as you can and then um, just start start working on it again straight away. And I think because one of the things people say to me when they find out that I'm a knitter is always, oh, I couldn't, you know, I don't have that kind of patience. And I said, I always say knitting taught me this kind of patience because I think now I'm so much more prepared to to go back and rework things. Yeah, to, to kind of try harder and make it better. And, I think um, once you know... And uh, the giftee, for example, who you're making this for might not know if there is a mistake. But I think you knowing is plenty already and it's uh, justifiable enough for you to rip out. And uh, it will just make you feel more content. Believe me, I know I am a designer and I knit a lot. But even to this day, I have frogged, as we call it, or ripped it many times. And I know it it's just would be resulting you know in a more positive outcome for you emotionally because when we knit we talk how much it helps you to relieve stress and just teaches you patience but it also i think it makes us better <laughs> just as human beings you know you can continue knitting keeps us more content and grounded because it's such a manual um you know touch with the needles it's just more soothing and uh, i think you want to do what you do just you know, the best way possible. But the other way, uh, and the other actual physical tip that uh, I would say is always wash and block your swatches, please. <laughs> and measure gauge afterwards and beforehand. So always wash and block your swatches. I get so many questions often like, oh, my swatch doesn't work. I'm like, have you washed and blocked it? No, <laughs> please do. I think it's one of the little bits that sometimes is omitted when people knit and they're so eager to start on the design so they skip 
but and they just steam it but i think submerging your swatch in the water and let it rest and then pinning it and letting it dry completely before measuring your gauge will save you so much harder heartache yeah yeah i think uh we can probably endorse that tip here at pom pom (laughs) (laughs) that's a good one um and so i'm going to ask you now a couple of questions that we ask everybody um so you probably know what they are and the first one is um what's your spirit animal and why uh i actually saw this question earlier and i was thinking what is my spirit animal (laughs) i live and i have two cats you know but they're I, I think they're too lazy <laughs> to be my spirit animal. I would say an owl because cool. owl to me represents um, quiet, content, wise. It's not maybe that's probably something that I'm trying to strive towards, but um, maybe as I see myself as. And uh, I'm more of a pragmatic person than anyone I know. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes even adult people call me mom <laughs> because I'm a little bit uh, just an owl. I don't go around saying hoo-hoo, but <laughs> <laughs> um, just the general wisdom and being very observant, I think, is a part of my personality. Nice. I don't think we've had an owl before, so we can tick that off the list. we like to ask people if they had to knit with if they were going you know if we're going to send you to a desert island and you're going to have to knit with just one yarn um but you can have it in all the colors it's just that you have to have the one base oh goodness you're putting me in such a tight spot (laughs) um i would choose a wall it would be do i need to mean uh i would choose merino maybe cormo or merino so currently my i mean at this present time and moment i would say that will be wolfolk far because they it's mm-hmm. the ultimate merino it's the very tiny micron count and i would i've been knitting probably fast the last four projects with it for gifts so i at this present moment in time, it's the yarn I will go with. Oh, cool! And is it is it a is it a DK? Or? It's a light worsted China construction okay. ultimate merino from Patagonia, and nice, it has a nice. seventeen and a half micron merino count. Uh, so <laughs> it's very soft, but um, this is what I currently want to knit with. Yeah, well, then you you can have that. <laughs> Uh, in all the colors maybe it will be something else because I, <laughs> I and there are just so many that I like and they work for different purposes for me in design world but just for me me knitting that probably will be it for now <laughs> Well, Olga, thank you so much for joining us. And it's a shame Sophie couldn't be here, um, but I'm sure uh, she sends all her love. And yeah, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Sorry, please pass her my regards to her, to Sophie. I hope she, I hope to talk her, to her maybe sometime or meet her even. Yeah, and I'm sure she feels similarly. Well, yeah, thanks again and uh, take care. Thank you so much for this, Lydia. Really nice talking to you and I hope you have a wonderful holiday season. Oh, yeah, you too. Happy holidays. Happy holiday. (laughs) Bye-bye.
thank you so much to Olga. What a fascinating design process and what a lovely lady. Yeah, she was brilliant. And uh, sorry about the sound quality there, guys, the, the Skype interview. I think it was all still pretty audible but just maybe yeah. a there little... was a nice little mermaid uh, sound effect in the between i don't know if you guys got that but <laughs> yes. that's quite exciting funny funny noises that skype makes uh, but thanks again to olga for joining us yeah. all the way from the us of a that i was hope fun. one day i can meet her too yeah that was yeah. nice you said hi at the end hi. <laughs> <laughs> um so now we can do ravelry realness tell me what that is sophie so ravelry realness is where we browse ravelry so you guys don't have to Saving you time and time. Uh, <laughs> no, sometimes money, sometimes the patterns we recommend are free. Whee! Hey. So what's the theme for this Pomcast's Ravelry Realness? It is Christmas decorations. Hey, we're sticking with the theme, guys, and we're running with it. We certainly are, because Sophie, of course, as she mentioned previously, is actually knitting some Christmas decorations. Yes, and I should say who, who that's by. Uh, it's by Eleanor von Castlemore. And cool. it's actually a free pattern, although she just suggests there's a link there you can donate to charity, which I think is indeed the Christmas spirit and a lovely addition to the pattern. Indeedy. Okay, so what else have you got that you would like to knit and hang on things at well, Christmas? Well, uh, there's also some Christmas Eve baubles, which is by Renee Callahan, mm-hmm. uh, known as East London Knit. Mm-hmm. She's a lovely lady. Uh, so it's a free pattern. There we go, saving you money, guys. And we're saving you time because these are so teeny, you can actually knit them up as the title would suggest, the evening of Christmas Eve, and then deck those holes in the morning. Genius. Yeah. Love it. Um, I found some tiny sweaters by Malia Mather, um, who is... Who runs uh, Stephen and Penelope, or is one of the people who runs Stephen and Penelope in in Amsterdam. Amsterdam. Exactly. And they are tiny little jumpers that you can hang on things and they are cute (laughs) now we've already you know you already know it's obvious that i like tiny knitted uh clothes of father christmas stylings so i'm actually quite quite intrigued to make them as well yeah (laughs) (laughs) i also found um some very pretty star ornaments which are called stiana i'm probably mispronouncing that there's two dots over the a i'm not sure how that's supposed to be said but it's by carolina ekadal and they are just very cute kind of kind of 3d uh, knitted stars they kind of look like folded paper almost you know Do. you've scored possibly paper and origami like... mm. <laughs> this is all very so linking steamy. together this. well yeah. done us so uh you've decked the halls but you might need a little something extra just to uh, hang in a doorway mm-hmm. what you need is eternal mistletoe for the perpetually hopeful Aww. So this is some knitted uh, mistletoe. It's like a little I-cord kind of design, very clever, by Suzanne Starlard, who's also known as Alabama Whir- Whirly. Um, she's designed for Pom Pom. You know, may, may know her seaside blanket that she did. Yes, yeah, that's she's nice. excellent. Uh, so yeah, not only might you get a little kiss, you've got it for next year as well. It's knitted. You don't have to worry about it going off. Yeah, we're covering the kind of more pagan aspects of Christmas yes. here on the podcast. <laughs> um, I also got a few different Christmas bauble designs. Yes. Um, Yule Kula by Arlen Carlos. Oh, nice. I hope I did a good Swedish accent there. I enjoyed it, yeah. Uh, an unpleasant one. Um, and there's all sorts of different designs. They, In fact, they have a cool book called 55 Christmas Balls to Knit. Vitabra. Sorry, I just yes. remember that's a Swedish phrase that means very good. Oh, thanks. It's a little late. There. <laughs> um, so those are fun things you can make. And also by the very excellently named General Hogbuffer on Ravelry. That's an excellent name. He has a pattern called Balls Up! Exclamation mark. (laughs) Which is 
uh, Christmas ornament pattern. Nothing, also. nothing rude there. Oh no! No, we did. Oh. We've done that ravelry realness yes. already. So mm -hmm. okay. And lastly, I have a snowflake crochet pattern by Lucia Lanucas, which is you know a very lovely snowflakey shape made of crochet. Nice. Recommended. Very pretty. I did some crochet for Christmas cards one year, like yes, doing little stars. Um, you know the dedication you have, you're like, I'm going to make all the Christmas cards. And then on the 20th one, you're like, oh, why do I know so many people? And that's why I don't make things for Christmas. Well, there we go. But I love Christmas. So, I'm so happy I made them and I really enjoyed it. It's true. I still have the, mine. Oh, really? I well, think. there we go. That makes it all worthwhile, guys. Yeah. Aww. Aww. A little bit of feedback there. Yeah. <laughs> so that was uh, Ravelry Realness, because Ravelry is what? Fundamental. come to the final part final segment of the podcast which we call top three because it's when we list our top threes of various things and it being a holiday themed episode if you hadn't gathered already because of the proximity of a certain holiday other as, holidays are available and if you're not are. a christmas celebrator happy holidays in general to you so on that theme we have top three Christmas films. Oh, we can say whatever holiday thing you're doing, you can enjoy sitting down and watching a film. Certainly can. And I think a lot of people's favourite Christmas films aren't necessarily Christmassy in that they don't necessarily feature Christmas itself. It's just that they associate them with Christmas. Exactly. So we've gone for Christmas films. Mine yes. are always all very pro-Christmas. Mine too, as it okay. happens. But I know <laughs> that, for example, my mum's favourite Christmas film is probably either a James Bond film or... Like Raiders of the Lost Ark or something. Okay, yeah, okay. I just thought I'd throw that in there just That's for good to variety. Know. Yeah. Just in case you want to buy your DVD. <laughs> I met your mum at the pom-pom party. It was great. It was lovely. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay, so tell me, Sophie, what are your top three Christmas so, films? I'd probably go with It's a Wonderful Life. It's a classic. Nice, yeah. Uh, have you seen that? No. Okay. Well, I haven't seen that many films. Do you know the vague theme? No. It's like a, a man who... There's <sighs> a, there's a, there's a man. man. There's a man, and there's a story, and then a he conclusion. Has, he feels better at the end than he does at the beginning. Pretty much. Cool. Actually, that sounds good. That's actually yeah. It's pretty much it's a wonderful <laughs> life. Yeah, it's a nice. It's set around Christmas, and then there's a little uh, a guy's going to take his life. It doesn't sound like a Christmas film now. Mm. Uh, an angel comes down and says, "No, George, this is what your life would have been like if you hadn't, if you, you know, if you'd never been born." And uh, wait, what? Life would have been like his, yeah. Life in his life had never been born. What you know, all the other people, his like wife and mm. or, who's no longer his wife, and everything that all the interactions he's had in his life. What would have happened if he'd never been there? Um, so yeah, it does sound a little bit dark at first, but gosh, it's so moving and I love it. And it is at the end, it's very uplifting and Christmassy. Cool. And I once went to see it at the cinema. They were doing like a screening mm. in the town where I was, and I took my friend and I was like, we've got to go see this film. It's a classic film. She hadn't seen it. And she loved it. And then when, when we left the cinema, it started snowing. <gasps> no which is like a really beautiful Christmas memory I hold on to. Oh, nice. that's so lovely. Okay. Yeah. And that's only number three. That's it's only number get three. Better. I'm getting a little emotional, guys. <laughs> Go on. So number two is Love Actually. Now, I actually Classic. love Love Actually. When we were planning our podcast just beforehand, and we usually do that. I don't know why we do it, but we do top three secretly. Yeah. And then I remember 
Love Actually, and I said it out loud because I was so excited to talk about it. What's your uh, favourite bit from Love Actually? What isn't my favourite bit? I don't know. Um, there's a really good specific scene where... Okay, so if you don't know Love Actually, it sounds really lame, but there's a bit where there's this big reveal of like someone realises like how this other person feels, and uh, this person walks out like, oh my god, I've ruined everything. And they zip up their cardigan polo neck. And the way they do it, it's Oscar worthy. It just captures the emotion of this moment. And in the background, there's Dido playing. And whew, it does, um, that's big. strong feelings there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think, I, I think if I was to say. sum up that film, that's what, <laughs> that's what you need. It's all about zips. It's all about polo necks. It's actually like a... Uh, a ranking somewhere on the internet of all the polo necks that feature on <laughs> <laughs> yes I'm, I'm glad the internet exists to cover important topics me like too that. so love actually great film cool man and at number one number one it would have to be the Muppets Christmas Carol yes controversial is it a film no. that's better than the book <laughs> I haven't read the book so I don't know um, if you don't know the Muppets Christmas Carol you can probably guess what the theme is Muppets telling the story of uh, Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol. Yes. Michael Caine plays uh, Ebenezer Scrooge. Oh, amazing. I remember being exposed to that as a child and my grandmother saying, like, Michael Caine is an excellent actor. And that was just, like, a thing I learned as a fact as a child. <laughs> you know when people tell you things, you're like, okay. I was just like, okay, fact, remember. And it's true. No yeah. one, you know, didn't lie to me there. Cool. Well, I feel festive. Yeah, you should. <laughs> I think we have quite a lot of overlap in our favourite Christmas films. Okay, go for it. So at number three, I have A Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, Only we talk more three. about it. I just love it so much. Yes, I love it too. Good songs. Good. Last Christmas, I wanted to watch A Muppet Christmas Carol and I saw that it was on. On Christmas Day, I thought, great. Excellent mm-hmm. programming from the TV people. Well done. It's almost as if they knew okay. people might want to watch it on Christmas <laughs> Day. It was on at sort of... I feel like it was on late, very late afternoon, so maybe after you've eaten oh, and done presents. A little bit of sleepy Perfect. time. So I said to everyone, you know, my, yeah. my family members... Hey, guys, Muppet Christmas Carol's on. Let's watch that. Nothing. They didn't care. You should have watched it anyway. Well, I did, but they were not enjoying it. And, or they were enjoying it, but they weren't paying attention. Well, someone sounds a bit scroogey there. Hey. Wherever you... Yeah, I met your family. <laughs> well, remember, guys, wherever you find love, it feels like Christmas. <laughs> and at number two, I have The Grinch That Stole Christmas. Mm. Grinch Who Stole Christmas? Yeah. With Jim Carrey. Oh, that one. That's pretty fun. Yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> Oh! Well, you see, because I love Dr. Seuss Mm -hmm. with a passion, and so any sort of Dr. Seuss-related things are going to bring me joy. And The Grinch is a thing... You know, it's a bit... It's like Scrooge, really, isn't it? It's like, here's a person who doesn't believe in fun for some reason, and a bunch of other people convince them, or ghosts, in the case of Christmas Carol. But in... Yes. (laughs) But in The Grinch that stole Christmas, it's the Who's of Whoville. Who, 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 who are happy and like things and help the Grinch to discover that he can also be happy and like things. Mm. <laughs> we should do the Radio Times description. Dude, we're so good at this. Um, and so I like that one very much. Jim Carrey's awesome in it. I'm just actually remembering how like animated and, and brilliant. And this is. is a little shout out for my sister Eleanor because in The Grinch Who Stole Christmas there's a scene where there's, like, a baby Grinch when the Grinch was little. Yes. And she loves that baby Grinch. She, like, had a picture of it on her phone to make her happy because it's such a weird little, like, cute 
Anyway, that's quite a strange little insight that's into good. my family. We have the there's one bit in the Muppets Christmas Carol, which isn't even the film. It's like the beginning credits, mm-hmm. and it's a tiny little uh, puppet, a Muppet. Mm-hmm. And it's just like chewing on something. It's going. <laughs> yes, I know. It's a great start to the film. <laughs> I know the bit you mean. These nuances that really make a production <laughs> of a uh, story. And I have a number one love actually. Oh, it's, because it's and I was saying to Sophie when we were doing this top three, I thought we don't actually have a lot of films that we watch every year at Christmas mm. as a family that's not really um, a part of my sort of strong memories mm. from my Christmases over the years but Love Actually for, when did Love was it like 10 years old now maybe no it can't be that old maybe it is well it's more than 5 years old ish yeah. isn't it so yeah. I, th- I feel like since Love Actually came out I've watched that every year basically what's your favourite bit then I like it when he goes I hate Uncle Jamie <laughs> Hate Uncle Jamie. I love that bit. And I also like the bit with the lobsters in the car when they're all sort of squished into the Oh, taxi no, it's an octopus. He's oh, trying sorry. to talk to Marley McCutcheon. Yes. <laughs> and so it's like, we're, <laughs> like, we're here. <laughs> I'm trying to get yeah. out of the... So for people who haven't seen Love Actually, it's, good. It's, it's pretty cheesy. It's basically like some people who are good at human psychology came up with things that make people happy and put them all together into a Christmas film. You mean Richard Curtis? Yeah, Richard Curtis. <laughs> he's got his formulas. He knows he's what got he's a doing. Good but it works. It works. And it's got, like, funny stuff, and it's got stuff that will make you tear up, and just all the things, all the fun things. What else happens? And it's got lots of um, well-known actors and actresses in it. And Decker in it. Ant and Decker in it. That's a really good one. But he says, and... Or deck. <laughs> yes. So there are many stories of friendship as well in that. And it's good. And love really is all around. I'm just going to keep quoting little bits from films and you guys are like, oh, very <laughs> oh, good. Oh, really good. Um, um, and so I suppose now that we've gone through our top three Christmas films. It's the countdown to Nitmus now. To Nitmus, exactly. Only a couple more sleeps. Very few sleeps. And depending on when you're, li- when you're listening to this. Um, Maybe it'll be 365 sleeps. Depends when you're when you're <laughs> listening. Um, so we wish you all the happiest of holidays, whatever those holidays may be, and enjoy it with your loved ones. Enjoy it with the knitting. Yeah. Just enjoy it, guys. Have a little break. Have a good time. Watch some good stuff. Eat some good stuff. Make some good stuff. Yeah. And we'll, we'll see happy you in the new year. year as well. And we'll see you then. You'll listen gonna, to us then. Yeah, it's going to be 2016, guys. It's going to be a good year. I can feel it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> oh wait, we have a Christmas joke. Finish with the Christmas joke. Oh yeah! Don't don't turn off. Don't your turn off yet, guys. <laughs> this is gold. Okay, Sophie. Okay. Why are Christmas trees no good at knitting? Because they don't have opposable thumbs. Partly. Uh, because they keep dropping needles. Wee! And now uh, we just have another thank you to say to our lovely second sponsor, A Yarn Story, who currently have a trunk show of our issue 15 samples at their shop in Bath until mid-January. A Yarn Story specialises in hand-dyed yarns and luxury fibres. They carry yarns from indie dyers near and far, such as The Uncommon Thread, Sweet Georgie Yarns, Hedgehog Fibres and The Fibre Co. Find them at www.ayarnstory.co.uk or in Bath on Walcott Street in the heart of the Artisan Quarter. Lovely. Thanks, Ian Story. And so we leave you now with a festive song. Have yourself a merry little Nitmus. May your gauge be right. From now on, bad swatches will be out of sight. 
have yourself a merry little Litmus. Choose your favourite shade. From now on, your knitwear will all be well made. Here we are as in olden days, happy golden days of yard. Damaged knits that are dear to us, time to fix those holes with a dawn. Through the years we all will knit together. If the fates allow, hang a knitted star upon the highest bough, and have yourself a merry Comcast is produced by Lydia Jingle Bell Gluck and Sophie Snowflake Scott, with a lot of festive help from Santa's little helper, Eli Drummer Boy Block, who wrote original music for this podcast. Thanks as always to Megan Happy Holidays Fernandez, co-creator and editor of Pom Pom Quarterly. Big thanks to Olga Barayakfelian for being our interviewee, and of course thanks to all you Pom Pom buyers, subscribers, and listeners. Listeners.